Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, before we get this podcast started, I got to let you know, if you have a beard, you need to take care of it. And you can take care of it by going to thebeardstruggle.com. When you go to the payout, go to the discount code bar, type in the Mitten Sports, all one word, get yourself a little 15% off. It helps us grow this podcast. As a barber of 10 years, I can tell you your beard needs beard wash, beard conditioner, beard oil, and probably, honestly, beard balm. So just check out each of the products. I'm telling you as a professional, you need this stuff. Let us help you out. Again, it's thebeardstruggle.com. Go to the go to pay once you got all the products you want. Once you go to pay, type in the men's sports, all one word at the discount, in the discount code spot, and you'll get 15% off. All right, I'm going to turn it over to Mason. Welcome to the Three Championship Drive, where we only talk about the Detroit Pistons. Three Championship Drive is brought to you by TheMittenSports.com and the Mitten Sports Podcast Network. All right, let's get this started. I'm Lance Caparossi, and I'm with my guy, Andrew, from Everything Pistons. Big news this week, man. I'm so excited to be talking about the Detroit Pistons with you. What's the first thing we got on the docket? Is it Found Maker gaining some weight? I mean, it's either that or, you know, the possible second bubble. I mean, but Thon looks ripped. I mean, I don't I don't want to be that guy to, you know, kind of be like almost fanboy or, you know, think he's going to be so much better than what he's going to be just based off summer workouts. But, I mean, the dude looks good, you know, and, and he looks bigger. So putting on muscle to play that center position for us, you know, it didn't really work in last year or years prior. So I don't know. Thon's looking bigger. I'm lo- I'm a little bit more excited to see what he's added to his game in this quarantine, you know, what he's, what he's been working on and excited to uh, maybe see him in the second bubble. Yeah. Um, Thon maker adding weight. It was something that he needed to do honestly throughout his entire career. He's been, he's really skilled. That's the thing that I've noticed. Like he can, shoot the three he can drive a little bit he's actually a pretty good defender and he's a smart defender but he's always looking to stuff the rim his biggest problem though I feel like so far in his NBA career is that he's never been able to keep on weight like he's always just skinny and again like you know it seems like such a small thing like skill and talent alone would make you successful but when you're going against larger guys and you're being pushed around it does take you out of the game so I'm, I'm actually really impressed. I hope he keeps the weight on. You're right. He does look jacked. Like, I mean, dude, it looks like he actually took the off-season workout program, strength and conditioning, very seriously this off-season. And, yeah, he, I mean, he looks good. He looks like he can uh, handle prime Shaq right now. I should say that. But I'm excited. <laughs> so 
let's move on to this bubble thing going into Chicago. Um, you excited about it or are you just kind of like, I'm just wanting the season for the bottom eight teams to be over. I mean, I, I understand it. It's, it's a way to have the other teams not just sitting around for months. It's another revenue stream for the NBA that's lost billions due to this virus. So I understand it, but I think, you know, the bubble, the original bubble with all the playoff teams and the couple playoff uh, play in teams in Orlando is a lot easier to contain than something in Chicago. So uh, it's just, I don't know. I mean, I'm not even convinced that we're going to get an NBA season this year still, even with all the plans. I just, the coronavirus is spiking in Florida, and I'm just expecting any day Adam Silver to just pull it because, you know, you can't put people in jeopardy. Have you watched the basketball tournament at all and what they've been doing? Kind of like the all, all the sports world is on the basketball tournament right now, the TBT that goes on during the summer they're doing a i think there's 24 30 teams it's in a it's in i think a 5 to 11 day tournament they're in ohio right now they're in a bubble i think every player gets tested like five times a day but so far um they did the five days of quarantine and everybody's been fine nobody has tested positive to at least my knowledge and they've been playing basketball they have a unique way of doing it now the way they do it is um, you know, once you're done, you they have you pack your bags and you take everything you have with you to the gym. So once you lose, you're out. You can't do that in the NBA, but like it seems like the system they put in place seems to be working and it seems to be more about player safety. So after watching that and hearing everything they've done, I'm a little more optimistic about the season continuing in Orlando. Now back to the Chicago bubble. Number one, I don't know why we don't do this in Michigan because, you know, up north Michigan where there's barely any people, it's beautiful. You could easily, you know, find a place to play basketball. I'm sure you could. Anyway, that's kind of a joke. But the Chicago bubble, I'm interested in it, though, but I'm a little less interested in it because it seems to be exhibition games. I would rather have those eight teams play it out for better draft lottery positions. Like, go out, you know, like the Pistons, like, you know, before the season ended due to this pandemic, it was, you know, they looked like they had a good shot at getting the top three pick. And now they have a 2% chance of getting the top five pick. So I would rather see something like that put in place and maybe give the best team the better odds of getting the number one overall pick so you can just be more, so you're, you know, keeping the level of competition up instead of just saying, hey, worst team with the worst record gets the best odds like put some incentive on it because if it's just exhibition games why would any player really want to participate I understand from the aspect of young guys getting more run because all the time off to when the season starts that's just not good for development but really I mean if you're an NBA player why do you want to go and just play exhibition games in Chicago when you should just be taking care of your body and watching yeah. your health so uh, yeah all right are we are we asking these players to these million dollar players to risk their bodies for exhibition games? I just I I think if it does happen, I think we're gonna see a lot of players opt out of it, and then it's just gonna be like a a, a replacement. You remember that movie, the old Disney movie? Oh yeah, dude, that's one of my favorite sports movies. Oh yeah, oh yeah, it, it's gonna be like that, just in the NBA version. Yeah, I um, that's another thing too. Have you been reading about like? 
the Indiana Pacers basically just saying, you know what, we're not going to add anybody. We're not going to bring anybody on board. We're just going to go there to Orlando, and we're just going to try to stay healthy and get through this. Like, it kind of seems like – I know we don't want to put an asterisk near the NBA championship, and I love players like Giannis, and I'm, I'm forgetting who else came out and said – I think it was Austin Rivers that came, that came out and said that there should be an asterisk next to this championship because this will be one of the toughest championships a team will have to win because you're taking three months off – You still have to have camaraderie, chemistry with your teammates. It's, yeah, I get all that. But I think when teams are just saying, we're just trying to remain healthy, we're going to Orlando because, you know, we have to. We're basically one of the playoff teams, but we really have no shot at winning this thing. So we're just there to finish out the season, and hopefully we bow out in four games in the playoffs. I just, I, I don't know. I'm just kind of like, I, I, I want to see a competitive product, but also I want to see NBA players stay healthy for the next up-and-coming season. What are your thoughts on teams just kind of like, we're just going to go because we have to? What are your thoughts on that? I mean, I mean that's each team's prerogative. I don't, I'm not putting an asterisk by this year's winner. I mean, does everybody, every single team, do they all not have to play by the same rules, live in the same resorts, be the same time away from their family, be the, you know – the, all the differences in in this year's game, in, in just this year's season, every single player had to go through it. Now, I mean, you put an asterisk by a championship if, you know, in baseball, if half the team's on, on steroids, you know? I, so I don't see how I can put an asterisk on this year if every single team is going through the exact same thing. But, I mean, to your point of, of teams staying the same, I think the Pacers know they're not going to really mess around with too much money uh, on the books or off the cap because they know it, there's nobody out there that they can sign that's going to push them over the hump that they're going to beat a Milwaukee or a Lakers or a Clippers team. So it's just – it's not worth it to them. Like I said, we see the Lakers signing J.R. Smith. That's a huge signing. But they're gearing up. They know that they're – they're playing for the finals. They're playing for the championship. They're not just there invited to the bubble. Yeah, that's true. I kind of forgot about the Los Angeles Lakers making moves. I mean, they did lose Avery Bradley. They potentially might have lost Dwight Howard. Who knows? I think he's still on the fence. But you're right. They did sign J.R. Smith. And, again, to your point, like there are some of these teams that are out there that are like, no, we're restarting. We're in competitive mode. We're going to go all out and try to win this championship because the trophy is the trophy. The NBA championship is the NBA championship. It doesn't matter. You're right. This um, pandemic didn't hit certain cities. It didn't hit certain NBA teams. It affected everybody. So yeah, to your point, like, I, I mean, I, I, I have to agree. That's a great point to make that this did affect every single person and every team will be different. The Indiana Pacers, they were a sneaky good team. You know, they got some pieces, they're obviously still out with without um, Victor Allen Depot. But it's kind of a shame, though, that there are some teams that are like that, that don't look at the opportunity as, all right, everybody else is rested. We're coming into this thing. Nobody's coming in hot. Nobody's coming in cold. We're all starting off basically neutral. We have an opportunity to strike. Because every year, luck take plays a part in an NBA championship. Sometimes a player gets hot. Like we saw Fred VanVleet. Last year against the Golden State Warriors, I think he shot like 87% from the field and like 60-plus percent from the three-point line. That's kind of what I'm factoring in here is that there's one team 
in this playoff turn in this playoffs doesn't necessarily mean the Lakers, the Clippers, or the Bucks or the Celtics, but there is some team that is just going to get hot that will blow people's minds, that will go further than what they were expected to do. And that's just because, you know, the time off, um, they're well rested, you know, they they got a break from the season and all that it's gonna play a factor in. So again, I am hundred percent agreeing with you. This affected everybody. I'm just hoping we get a competitive eight, nine games, whatever's left, and then we get a competitive playoffs. That's what I want to see. I don't want to see a team take it, just basically give up when they're playing against the Lakers or the Clippers. I just want to see a competitive playoff series. That's what I want to see. So I'm all in on this, though. Like I, like I said, I'm optimistic. Me too. The TBT showed me something, and I really do think that this is going to work. So, yeah, more power to the NBA restarting. Um, you have any final thoughts on that, the bubble in Orlando or Chicago? No, man. Uh, I am pretty excited to get into the next topic, though. Got you. Rashid Wallace, man, one of our favorites. Is it? Let me ask you this before we get – this has nothing to do with the topic we're about to talk about. But do you still get goosebumps thinking about Rashid Wallace being traded to the Detroit Pistons? <laughs> I do. I do. It was a, it was a great move at, at the time that really, really pushed us over the hump. Do you think that trade not, I mean, just the trade itself, not knowing what came with the trade, which was the NBA championship, but do you think the trade for Rasheed Wallace was bigger than Blake Griffin? I mean, it's gotta be right because it, it delivered a championship. I mean, Blake, Blake, that trade is huge and it was really swung for the fences on on the whole Blake Griffin trade but I mean let's let's not sugarcoat it it was it was a ticket seller trade it it really wasn't to push us over the hump now Blake helped us get back to the playoffs and when he's healthy I mean I don't I wouldn't take anyone over Blake I mean that we could get on Detroit (laughs) but uh you know Blake's a warrior I like him a lot I like his services in Detroit but I mean, I think the, the Rashid trade that just gave us that, that one missing piece of the puzzle, the, the one utility guy that could hit the three, that could back you down, that was a pest and a monster on defense, took the game, played with heart, diving on the floor, getting in fights, getting in people's face, that Detroit Pistons mentality, I got to go with the Rashid trade. It's just like when I see, when I think of the Blake Griffin trade, I'm just like, all right, cool. It was a cool trade. But when I think of the Rasheed Wallace trade, I'm like, I can't believe that happened. I cannot believe that Rasheed Wallace actually wore a Detroit Pistons uniform. I have no idea why I think that way because Blake Griffin is clearly the better player. Like he is the more popular player. Like he has a lot of talent and that's not taking anything away from Rasheed Wallace, but Blake Griffin, he is Blake Griffin. But for some reason, the Rashid Wallace trade, it just triggers me in some like a very euphoric way. And I have no idea of like why I can't explain that. And I swear I'm not on drugs. It's just one of those things that I think about with Rashid Wallace where I'm like, I seriously can't believe that this happened. It does it's still to this day, all these years later, it doesn't seem real. It seems like I maybe came up with the trade in 2K or NBA Live and <laughs> that I just imagined that it was real. But it did. But let's get into this. Rasheed Wallace, um, he's not happy with the Detroit Pistons right now. He still loves the city of Detroit. He loves the fans. But, um, 
you know, he's kind of um, came out and he's outspoken against the Little Caesars Arena, and he's mad that the Detroit Pistons left the Palace of Auburn Hills. Um, what, so what were your thoughts when Rasheed Wallace came out and said all that? Well, I mean, it's not even just about leaving the, the Palace of Auburn Hills for Rasheed. It's, it's the whole management. Let's not get it twisted. Rasheed was playing under probably one of the greatest Detroit sports owners out there in, in Bill Davidson. Yep. So, uh, and Bill Davidson really loved this team. He, he loved the guys, and the, and the guys really loved him back. And now I'm, I'm trying not to get too much into it and bash current ownership too much, but it's just it's, – it's a different feel. When we see our owner at games, it's, it's very rarely – he usually looks pretty heavily intoxicated. Now, you know, <laughs> that's, that's not, not for me or you to, to say, and that's, that's between him and, uh, you know, whoever else. But, um, you know, usually looks kind of out of it. You know, he might throw a T-shirt here and there, but it, it's just, you know, it, it kind of makes me sad because – you know, not too long ago, we did the whole 2004 finals rewatch and seeing him in the crowd and seeing how much joy he had on his face watching his team play. It's just, it, it, we don't have that in Detroit anymore. We have an owner that lives in, on, on a different coast that probably doesn't even tune into the, the Pistons games. So, I, I mean, I don't want to put too much words or, you know, actions in, in Tom Gore's head or mouth, but it's just from, from the eye test and from what I see, we don't have an owner that cares like Bill Davidson. Yeah, no. And I, again, you're right. And again, we, you and I are both just speculating about this. We have no idea how much he cares or doesn't care about the Detroit Pistons, but when we watch the games and we see him at the games, he doesn't look like he's involved. You're absolutely right. He doesn't look like he really cares about the product on the court and I like dude I'm all in on Rasheed Wallace calling out ownership I love it I feel like um Tom Gores and the ownership group they did Rasheed Wallace dirty he was part of Mo Cheek's coaching staff and they just cleaned house and let him go and it seemed like it was a little unfair because I feel like Rasheed Wallace I don't think he'd ever be a head coach in the NBA but I do feel like he belongs on someone's bench and that the way he was treated by Pistons ownership has left a very bad taste in his mouth where he doesn't even want to be a part of the NBA coaching circle. Like he's coaching high school basketball now. That's what he does. And that's awesome. I love that Rasheed Wallace does that, but it's a shame that the owner of the Detroit Pistons basically just cleaned house and let him go. And I think that's a bad precedent to be said for other players. Like, do you, I mean, like that's a James Dolan move. Like why do you want to mistreat former players that helped build what the Detroit Pistons are today. And, you know, Rasheed Wallace was a huge factor in bringing that championship, and you're just going to mistreat him. It's a shame. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I have a lot to say on on Tom Gores and his way of owning the team, but um, there is one more topic that I do want to get into uh, before we get into the redrafting. Yep. Did you see that the uh, NBA approved the social justice I don't know if it's going to replace the the back of the name or on the back of the jersey, the nameplate, or if it's just going to be placed on the jersey. But, I mean, I just think that's a really cool gesture by the NBA to, to do for, a, you know, a predominantly black league. Yeah, no, I think it's amazing what they're doing. And 
I saw that the um I think there was a list. There was a list that was passed yeah, around. I have it. Yeah, and there was like I think it was like what twelve names they could put on the back or something well, like he, that. Here, if we I mean we could take a minute. Uh, yeah, go we ahead. got so so this is the whole list. We got on the back of the jerseys they can put Black Lives Matter, say their names, vote, I can't breathe, justice, peace, equality, freedom, enough. Power to the people, justice now, say her name. Uh, yes, we can, but in a different language, so I'm not even going to uh, try. Yeah. Liberation, see us, hear us, respect us, love us, listen, listen to us, stand up, ally, anti-racist, I am a man, speak up, how many more, group, group economics, education reform, mentor and the one i really wanted to see on this list but isn't and i understand why it's not because it comes from a player but i really wanted to see more than an athlete Ooh, yeah i would like to see that one too i also wanted to see um spencer dinwiddie's trillions because i feel like that's something that just gets looked over so much by today but i understand why like i get why they i don't know if they're gonna allow him to do it or not but I don't want yeah. – like, if that takes away from what's going on today, then I don't want it to be on the back of his jersey. But I am absolutely in love with what the NBA has done, and I think that's such a great gesture, and that's a great way to really keep up awareness with, what, with what's going on in our country. Would you – I mean, let's just take um, – let's take LeBron. <clears throat> Excuse me. Would you buy a Lakers jersey – if that matter on it or you know power to the people one of these sayings if oh, they I, released them if the nba store released them i would it would have to be a absolutely central, it would have to be a central division jersey because i want to keep it as close to detroit as i possibly can but yeah, yeah i would totally do it like there's no yeah. doubt in my mind i think it's such a great thing that the nba has done so yeah no i mean i, I mean i love it i don't think i can even say anything more on it but i was going to ask you what's your favorite one but i'm like you know what that's a dumb thing to discuss so yeah they're all great so I mean I mean I, I'll just throw it out I do like to say her name right now because of the whole Brianna Taylor yes. uh, situation her her killers are have still have not been arrested 90 some days I don't understand how you I mean I get this is a basketball podcast but you know what I'm gonna take a second I don't understand how you kick in a woman's door shoot her while she's sleeping and you're still walking because if I did that to one of my neighbors i'd be in jail before it you know dinner time it's just it's not fair so say her name's one of my favorite obviously the black lives matter is a great one power to the people um anti-racist i am a man you know it's just a really great approved list from the nba and this is something that we you know don't necessarily see in in nfl or definitely not in the mlb or you know any other hockey soccer you know lead so you know it's it's kudos to to adam silver you know for what he's doing and and bringing awareness to these issues yeah and it's great to adam silver but to your point of why you don't see it in other leagues is like the nba is really just a player's league they're all about yeah. the players have the power they dictate what goes on because they i mean they really do bring in the money like it's a player's league and they have a ton of power but um, our guest is here, so we're going to get ready to do this redraft. I'm going to admit him real quick. Seriously, put your guys' hands together. Turn your volume up for uh, 
Nicholas Henkel. Good to have you on the show. Um, here we are. We're going to do the redraft. We're going to do 2007, 2008, 2009. And if you have time, we would love to ask you some questions from our listeners. So Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So this is how the redraft works. Um, I think Andrew explained it to you in um, some text messages. But basically, wherever the Pistons draft, so for 2007, they drafted 15th, you can either choose to keep the original pick or draft the player after them. Yep. So the draft 1 through 15 or 1 through 14 stays the same. Right. So, yeah, and we all – Basically, how it goes, we all pick a different player. So I'm pretty sure I know who everybody would draft at 15. There's like a big name in there that's probably going to the Hall of Fame that yeah, really yeah. slid. So whoever takes them, you know, I'll go with somebody else. Andrew or yourself will go with somebody else. Yep. But who wants the who wants to go first in this? I say I say Nick goes. Nick, okay. he's the guest. He gets the first. Okay. Uh, here I wrote it down. Let me just pull it up real quick. So we're starting with 2007, I assume. Yes, sir. Rodney Stuckey was the first original choice. Yeah. Did you, you want to do like an intro or something? No, no. I'm just going to keep it how it is. But Okay. All right. Listen, man. People know who I am. We don't need to do an introduction. <laughs> they do know who you no, are. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Okay. So basically, here was my thinking. Uh, if I went first, I was going to go with the player who I'm about to say. If I did not, uh, I figured you guys would take him. So I was just going to stick with Stucky. But since I'm going first... I'm just going to take uh, – I, I went with Marco Bellinelli. And the only reason I did that is because it's not that it didn't work with Stucky. Like, it was okay, right? That was kind of – like, the Stucky years when I, was when I was kind of making my transition from, like, caring more about the three other sports in Detroit kind of to the Pistons. So I wasn't totally in tune with it. But clearly the longevity that Bellinelli has had – some of it, I guess, you could argue is because he's played such a long time with the Spurs mainly. Um, but him as a yeah him as a as a perimeter threat alone i just feel like and again on longevity alone really simple answer i'm just gonna instead roll the dice with marco bellinelli i like that pick i mean yeah he was on my list he wasn't on mine i'm just gonna say that i got three guys (laughs) but he was not on my list i um so let's just talk about ronnie stuckey real quick man he was the original choice, um, I think that they were trying to make up for missing out on Dwayne Wade because they're very similar players, as in yeah. little undersized at the two guard, love the mid-range, love the drive. Um, it's kind of weird, though. I was looking back on Rodney Stuckey. So in college, for two seasons, he averaged 24 points, five rebounds, five assists, two steals, did not go to the NCAA tournament two seasons. So I think it says something about a guy that fills up the stat sheet but doesn't win. And it yeah. might be a good idea not to draft that guy with the 15th overall pick, especially with all the guys that are on the board. And I think what really made the choice, like what didn't work for Rodney Stuckey, he was just giving the keys to the car too soon. Like he didn't have his license Fair. yet. And they, I would have loved, I think in a different universe, a different timeline, Rodney Stuckey and Chauncey Billups are the backcourt. And that to me makes so much more sense than Rip Hamilton and Rodney Stuckey just because Ronnie Stuckey was so much more of a scorer. And I think he needed a point guard that could put him in position for better shots and really just to make him look better. Like hundred percent agree. Yeah. So Andrew, I'm gonna let you go. Who do you take at 15? So with all that being said, um, I am not going to take Rodney Stuckey now. No, Um, uh, no, I, I was actually surprised. I saw uh, a guy's name that I didn't think was drafted here and I'm going to have to go with Nick young. I mean, you know how I like my, uh, my shooters, my perimeter players, and, you know, 
2007 era basketball, there wasn't too many perimeter players. So I really think with that Detroit Pistons, you know, pack a lunch pail, we said it a hundred times on this podcast defense. I really think a perimeter threat with Nick Young and Rip Hamilton and seeing Nick develop behind Rip Hamilton would be a lot of fun and a lot of one, or a lot of years of a one-two punch coming off the bench there. So I like Nick Young. Um, pretty, pretty inconsistent. A lot of, I mean, he's a great player. Like he had a lot of potential. I think there was an interview with his grandma that says like, I think she said, if you just get your head on straight, you could be great or yeah. something like that. So I do love Nick Young, but I just want, want to share this with you. He played two more years than Rodney Stuckey, but only has 15 more points than him total in their careers. And I think he has oh, wow. like, I think he has like, almost 400 less assists. He does so, have one more championship than Rodney Stuckey. Yes, he does. He does. <laughs> Man. And I'm sure a lot Man. more playoff games. Here's what I'll this say is... really quick about, about Nick Young. If he doesn't go to Washington, if he doesn't end up there, and Gilbert Arenas doesn't bully him into being a good basketball player, like maybe the swaggy that we know now like doesn't happen. You know what I mean? So like yeah. maybe that gamble with Detroit wouldn't work i don't well, know go ahead though do you really i mean do you really think larry brown or rip hamilton ben wallace would have let him run around be an all swaggy p to ask no True. they're gonna shut that down so that's kind of what i was getting at but i want to point out the uh how unfair this was how you trashed my pick of rodney stuckey and bullied me <laughs> into not taking him and then i take nick young and no oh, he's got 15 more points all right i see <laughs> yeah. dude i just thought i'd point that out i didn't think i would get to share that stat but i really wanted to share that with people nice. so i mean we have a guest on i gotta look good what can i That's say true. i got you yeah. i got you so you guys are gonna hate me so my here are my three players at the 15 spot and so number one i got wilson chandler because he's the hometown guy came from ben harbor could play both forward spots he's not my pick he would have been my pick if you guys had selected one of my guys on the list. I also like Rudy Fernandez, even though he only played four years in the NBA. An explosive athlete. Um, I think he held the record for most three-pointers in a season by a rookie. And then, like, Steph Curry came in and just blew that record out of the way. Same with Trey Young and Donovan Mitchell, all those great guys. Yeah. Um, the reason I love Rudy Fernandez, and again, he's not my pick, but he dunked on Dwight Howard in the gold medal game in like 2008. And I thought yeah. that's one of the greatest plays I've ever seen. <laughs> but my pick, he came in the second round. He was traded for his brother, but it's Marcus Saul at 15. So I got to go him. Like, Fran I thought about it. Okay. Yeah. I'm glad everybody thought about it. Yeah. That's good. But a uh, franchise center, franchise player, one of the, I think he's one of the top three players in this draft, according to win shares, but really just on talent alone. Defensive player of the year, still productive in his mid-30s. He had four seasons of 17-7-4. I thought it was huge. Um, yeah, Marcus Gasol is going to be my first pick at 15. So, yeah, I think I might have won this one. <laughs> I was going to say, I, we're, I guess we look really dumb picking Nick Young <laughs> and Marco Bell, like two like C-tier wings, and you're like Hall of Famer. No, no, because the thing is, like, in different timelines and, like, different universes, like, yeah. those are great. Like, I kind of think of it that way. And, like, I loved Marco Bellinelli coming out. I love his game. I love what he brings to a team. I even really enjoy watching Nick Young play. So I understand those picks. Like, those yeah. guys at moments really showed how great they could have been. But it, it just didn't work out for them in this universe. If that's right. – I don't want to sound too crazy. But, no, I get what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. So – 
now we're moving on to the 27th pick. The original pick was Aaron Aflalo. Yep. I don't blame anybody for keeping this guy on the roster. So I'm going to let you go again, Nick, man. Who's your guy at 27? Uh, you guys are going to – you know what? Since Just for the sake of being different, right, here's how I'm kind of approaching this. So you say, like, well, if you want to keep Aaron Aflalo, like, that's not a problem. I actually – it's a good way to look at it. Here's another way to look at it. Um, we've been bad for a long time, and something has to be different. So, and I don't want to be wrong. I just, I need to make sure. Okay. Yes, it was 2000. It was this year. I went with DeAndre Jordan. The reason that I did that, mm-hmm. the reason that I, cause it was him or uh, Nikolai Pekovic. And the reason Pekovic was always hurt. So that was a fail safe if you guys pick DJ. But the reason that I want DeAndre Jordan is because, okay, that's going to be your center. And he emerged as a better rim protector faster than Andre did. And by taking DeAndre Jordan, assuming he kind of goes on the same path that he did with the Clippers, out of he went to Texas A&M, right? Yeah, he went to Texas A&M. Yeah. So I feel like you sort of almost alleviate the need to draft Andre Drummond. Period. And like, I'm not here to slander Andre. We all have a, you know, I feel like the three of us collectively know that he was a good player. He is a good player. Yes. But um, it took longer for him to be like a decent rim protector and right now you look at Brooklyn and they have like one of the best like center duos in basketball right can, so, can I interrupt real quick yeah can, can we I mean is that Andre Drummond's taking longer to develop do you think that was hindered to Detroit trying to play a, a two big man lineup for so long whereas in in LA, DJ kind of—I mean, DJ was catching lobs, just yeah. a freak athletic guy catching lobs from one of the greatest point guards to ever play the game. True. Meanwhile, Andre Drummond's getting drugged down in the post with Moose, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, hundred percent. I actually—that's a—that's a really good point. Um, but I guess just for the sake of variety and trying to change the course of history for the Pistons, if you draft a wing and then you draft your center. And then my next pick for next year is going to be pretty spicy, no matter who it is. <laughs> I think I think we'll be set in the right direction. That's the, so. DeAndre Jordan is a Detroit Piston. So real nice. quick, I I don't want to do this, but I have to. But he was in the 08 draft. This is the 07. But I love your reasoning for it. DeAndre wait, hold Jordan on. Guy, I swear to God. <laughs> I thought. Wait, I thought 07 was the one we just did. No, we're doing um. Yeah, we are, but there were two first-round picks in 07. You are one. You are one hundred percent right, and I totally overlooked that. So skip me, and I'll I'll, I'll quickly do my pick right now. Well, real quick, let me just say, Aaron Aflalo is the original pick. You got Glenn Big Baby Davis, right? Diago, Diago Splitter, Ramon Stop. Sessions. <laughs> okay, uh, then then just off the top of my head, off the top of my head, I'm gonna go with Tiago Splitter, and then the following oh. year. So skip me next year because I already gave my pick. That's my bad. Uh, we'll still draft DJ just for the sake of like having the, like the oh, bolstering dude. the. Go ahead. Oh, I no, I was gonna say smart pick for DeAndre Jordan. He was my guy. Um, okay, next All draft right. mine too. <laughs> I just wanted to say something about the whole Andre Drummond thing. I think the reason it worked for DeAndre Jordan in Los Angeles versus Andre Drummond in Detroit, and I'm talking about team success. Yeah, I think DeAndre Jordan just kind of knew his role and was like, dude, you know what? I'm just gonna buy in. I don't need to be the man. I'm going to get my 15 and 16 because he did do that. I'm going to lead the league in field goal percentage. I'm going to protect the rim and I'm going to get paid handsomely to do this. Yeah. And yeah. I'm going to play like 57 games in the playoffs. But um, Andrew, uh, who are you taking at 27? You keeping Aaron Aflalo? You going somewhere else? So I'm not because I'm no, don't get me wrong. 
uh, Aaron Aflalo. He had uh, eight straight years of averaging double di- uh, double digits in the league. So great player. You know, I might leave him for you, but because I went Nick Young with the first pick, I'm going to go with uh, Glenn Big Baby Davis. Yeah. And the reason I'm taking him, not only because is he one of, you know, a very rare type of center, just so big, so dominant. And, but I also want to bring him in to really push Nazir Muhammad and Dale Davis, you know, and, and make a little uh, competition out of that and, and see what I come out with. Yeah, I get that, man. He was actually – he's one of my picks, and – I loved him. I always thought if he was like 6'11", he's a top 10 pick in this draft just because his footwork and his offensive abilities. But he's 6'8", 6'7 and a half, whatever. Yeah. But um, he had some great moments in the playoffs. I was surprised at how many playoff games he actually played in. I think it was – yeah, it was 96 playoff games. Now, he was on good teams, but that also tells me that good teams saw what he could bring to a team and that he could be a contributor. And for 14 games in 08-09, he actually averaged 15-5 with two assists and one steal per game in 14 games and 14 starts. And then for five games in the playoffs in 2011 for 2012 with the Orlando Magic, he averaged a sizzling 19 points, nine rebounds, and one block per game. So, I mean, Glenn Davis had game. I don't hate anybody for picking that pick. So you guys both took the guys I wanted, Glenn Davis and Tiago Splitter. Um, Aaron O'Flower, I'm just going to keep him. Yeah. And the reason is multiple seasons of 12, you know, of at least 12 points per game or higher. He did average 18 for, I think, 71 games in Orlando. He was a good three point shooter. He had an all around game. The only knock on him that I have was that if he was your number one option, your team wasn't very good. But if you put him in that role where he's like the third or fourth player, I think you're a pretty good playoff team. So, Aaron O'Flower, I'm going to stick with him just because you guys took. Glenn Big Baby and Tiago Splitter for me. So we're moving on to the second round, 57th pick. I know it's kind of tough, but um, it's Sammy Maija, I think is how you say his name. He came out of DePaul, did absolutely nothing in the NBA. But to his credit, he's still playing professional basketball to this day. So more props to him. Um, Notable undrafted players that could be drafted, Cartier Martin, Anthony Tolliver, Gary Neal, Ivan Johnson, Mirza Tel Tovic. I think we all remember Mirza. He was pretty good. Fun to have on your fantasy teams for like eight games to start the season. But um, Nick, I'm going to turn it over to you. Who are you taking at 57? You're just keeping it simple. It's Anthony Tolliver, a guy who was always consistent. I feel like I don't remember. Was it? It wasn't last year that Tolliver was with us. Was it the year before? Uh, and he was just, I believe two, yeah. two years ago. Okay. Okay. So he was just like this super, I don't want to say super reliable, but this relatively consistent guy that I feel like just we as the fan base always kind of loved and connected with. And he's one of those players that like, if he came back on a like mid-level exception, you're not mad about that. Like he's just such a great locker room guy. Uh, and he's a quality veteran. I'm keeping it simple because like you kind of alluded to the second round kind of stunk. So I'm just keeping it simple. I'm just, I'll just stay with Anthony Tolliver, get another wing. <laughs> I think there's more undrafted guys that, that played. Like, like, out. Yeah. yeah, that panned out than guys yeah. drafted in the yeah. second round. So, Andrew, who are you taking with 57? So, I mean, I was going Anthony Tolliver. Everybody knows how much I love Anthony Tolliver. He's a, he's a great guy. I've, I've watched him take time out of his day to speak to children about going to school, staying on the right path, you, you practicing. And he's one of those guys that if you're a coach, you're, he's everything you want to play. 
He's the the hustle rebounder, diving on the floor. He he knows his role, whatever that may be. You know, he, some nights he had to start for Detroit and he stepped up. And some nights he didn't touch the court and you never heard any complaining out of him. But because, you you know, you took him, I'm going to have to go with Mirza, you know, uh, undrafted in two, or 2007, didn't make his NBA debut until 2012. So I wasn't too sure if, if I was going to be able or if this pick was going to be voided, but you said his name. So I'm going to take him. He was a solid outside shooter for the Nets, Suns and Bucks. But I mean, just the knee issues bothered him, but he had a, from when he did play, had a pretty solid career. Yeah. I think he had four seasons of eight or more points and two seasons of like six rebounds. And I think he shot like around 40% from three. So it's a solid pick, man. It makes the most sense out of the guys that are left outside of Anthony Tolliver. Cause I do think Anthony Tolliver is the best undrafted player from this group, but um, I went Gary Neal just because, I loved watching him in San Antonio. He's a 6'4 guard, came out of Towson, um, could shoot the three, could score a little bit. I think he scored 26 points, 26 points in one game to keep the Spurs playoff hopes alive. I think they ended up losing a couple games later. But either way, Gary Neal stepped up when it mattered most. Didn't play a long time in the NBA, but he did have, I think, like three seasons of nine or more points per game in limited, in, you know, limited number of games. But Gary Neal, he'd be my choice for uh, the Pistons at 57. All right, man, so we're going on to the 2008 draft. This one's a little different. So the Pistons originally drafted at 29, but they traded it immediately to Oklahoma City for the 32nd pick. But for the sake of, you know, redraft, we're going to keep the 29th pick. So do you guys want to continue the order that we've gone in or? Yeah, I mean, I already gave mine away. Yeah. I, so, so I yeah, yeah. DeAndre. I guess, yeah. So then, Andrew, it's up oh, to you. Who are you taking at so 29? This, this makes it a little harder because uh, I was hoping you would pick one of the guys so it would make it easier for me. You want me to uh, go? Um, yeah, go ahead. All right, I'm taking uh, Goran Dragic. Yeah, I was that's, thinking that too. That's my guy. And the reason is um, scoring point guard had two seasons of at least 20 points per game. He made it into the playoffs as the Heat's number one scoring option at 17 points a game. That says something. It means, you know, you can rely on him. And even though he's putting up numbers, you can still win games. And it's not just an empty stats guy. Plus, he's just, you know, I mean, we've been without a really great point guard for a number of years, almost decades, it feels like. So I figured, you know, drafting him at 29th overall, he'd still be with the team today if things went right like they did in my head. So uh, yeah, Goran Dragic is my pick at twenty nine. So yep, that was my that was my other guy, and I don't know why I got so hung up on this, but something's telling me just to take Mario Chalmers. I was thinking I that mean, too. Am I, am I crazy? I was just no. I mean, he's floated around the league a little bit, or I mean, floated around ten points per game. Two thousand eight All Rookie Second Team and a champion with the Heat. So. I mean, just a defensive point guard, a little stocky, and I I like him in Detroit. Yeah, actually, uh, he's on my list, too. I thought he was a pretty good point guard, and I think, again, this whole universe thing, you put him on a different team, you know, he might even be more successful than he was in Miami, even though he was successful in Miami, but, like, he was, what, the fourth banana on that team with those guys? So. Um, I do like the Mario Chalmers pick. I did like Nikola Pekovic because he had two seasons of at least 16 and nine while shooting like 52% from the field. And he was productive when he was healthy. I mean, he didn't, I don't think he ever went to the playoffs, but 
We've only got five seasons of him. He was a classic back-to-the-back center, you know, back-to-your-basket center, I should say, and um, very good value for where he went in the draft. But that leaves us to go to 59. The original pick was uh, Deron Washington out of Virginia Tech. I don't know if any of you guys ever watched him play in college. Nope. Very athletic. Um, So he was a productive college player. He averaged 11 points, five rebounds, two assists, one steal, one block, while shooting 46, 47% from the field. Just He signed a two-year contract, partially guaranteed, with the Detroit Pistons, but they did him dirty and released him, even though he would have been the 15th man on the team. So something to be said right there about him. But uh, Darren Washington, I'm assuming none of us are going with him at 59. But, Nick, you're on the clock. Who are you taking? I have the – you guys are going to roll your eyes if you know who he is because you're going to be like, that's really dumb. But he was my favorite player – my favorite collegiate player growing up and he never really had a chance in the NBA, except he was like decent in the summer league. I'm going to go with drew Neitzel from Michigan state. Uh, Love that pick. There's no real reason other than I feel like I haven't really <laughs> included like good thought out answers. Like Bellinelli was like a, he's played in the league longer and he's a good perimeter shooter. DJ was like, he was about, you got, you know what I mean? Like I, I feel like I'm not giving yeah. great answers, but like drew Neitzel growing up was like one of my first, like, I love that dude. And I don't know, maybe in the right scenery, he doesn't flourish. Like I'm not drafting him at 59 thinking he's the point guard of the future. You draft him like how you draft Kyrie Thomas, maybe even Bruce Brown, but that's probably a stretch. Like just in principle, like a guy that you're taking a chance on, maybe they can, you know, be that like fail safe third option for you. Sure. I'll take Drew Neitzel at, at 59. Who was yeah, the, I mean, 59 is a good I was just gonna say 59 is a good you know kind of range to just kind of start taking stabs at the guys so yeah I mean I can't I can't fault you for that yeah no not at all Michigan State like he I have a weird kind of story about him but um I went to school with somebody that played against him not we didn't go to the same high school this was in college and he played against David Cool as well David Cool he got a full ride scholarship to Michigan State but he tore his ACL ended up going to my alma mater Western Michigan Great player, a lot of fun to watch. But he was like, dude, the difference between Drew Neitzel and David Cool is David Cool like can just shoot from high school range, but Drew Neitzel pulls up from half court and just makes yeah. it look easy. And yeah. he he literally crossed me out of my shoes when we played, and I decided <laughs> to give up basketball. And I'm like, oh, okay, Drew Neitzel, pretty damn good. <laughs> yeah, he's really good. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, Andrew, who are you taking at 59? Uh, I'm torn again, and it's between two undrafted guys. I guess mm-hmm. I'll just take this, him, because I think this is a kind of crazy stat. Um, I'm taking a guy that actually played for the Grand Rapids Drive in 2016, Gary Forbes. Ooh, and nice. the stat that I found about him is, you know, he's played for 19 professional teams, NBA, G League, and overseas. Did not know that. Goodness gracious. Yeah. 19 different teams listed when I pulled up his Wikipedia, and I was like, wow. So I was just like, you know, hey, 59th, we'll, uh, we'll take a stab at him. He's obviously been around the game long enough, played in – a few NBA teams played on a handful of G League teams and in, in overseas. So uh, let's uh, let's take a shot on Mr. Forbes. He uh, yeah, he was on my list. He had two, I wouldn't say pretty productive seasons, but he did average like six points per game with, I think three or four rebounds per game. In getting meaningful minutes in the NBA, I have no idea why it uh, didn't work out for him. But there also is a little fun stat about somebody that was drafted around this time. 
they were drafted by the Lakers. I think it was Joe Crawford. It is Joe Crawford. So Joe Crawford, I don't know why I'm sharing this, but I read his Wikipedia page today and he he's playing in the NBA D league. And then he gets invited to play in this upstart American basketball league, which folds like a week later because the guy that started it was a con artist. That's exactly what the Wikipedia page says. And I thought that was kind of a neat little stat about Joe Crawford, but um, Gary Forbes was one of my guys, uh, but I'm going Anthony Morrow just because he's a shooter. I think he yeah. played, did he play for Detroit for like a season or something, maybe eight games, but um, if that, you know, Anthony Morrow is my guy just because he's been in the league for a minute. Um, good shooter. I think in the right system, he could flourish. I also had Reggie Williams who averaged 15 points per game for like a 20 win Golden State Warriors team right before Steph Curry got drafted. So yeah, those are my two guys. For I, I like that pick because uh, Morrow was on my board as well. And it, he actually holds the record for the most points ever scored in a game by an undrafted player in his rookie season. He dropped 37 on the Los Angeles Clippers, went 15 for 20 from the field, wow. and grabbed 11 boards. So that is a uh, he, great, definitely, he definitely was on my board as well. That's a great trivia piece that I'm, I'm going to try to – I'm going to, like, store that. That's really good. I'm <laughs> going to remember like, that one. Yeah, when you're, like, at the bar and you're trying to pick somebody up, you're like, hey, listen to what I got up here. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You ever heard of Anthony Morrow? That's a great <laughs> stat. Like, it's really I, good. I love that stat. That's awesome. I did not know that about him. No. So 2009, this is like low key one of the deepest drafts I've ever like revisited. There's just guys in the first round that could be picked, yeah. guys in the second round that can be picked, even undrafted guys yeah. that could be drafted mm-hmm. in the first round in today. But um, for some reason, in almost a can't miss draft, the Pistons missed and they drafted exactly <laughs> that. Yeah, Austin Day at 15. So, um, real quick, uh, have, who you guys? I have a headband from him. I have a headband from Austin Day. Day? <laughs> yeah, he was sitting on the bench, and I was. Uh, it was at the Palace, and uh, I mean, I think it might have been around 2008, and I just kept screaming his name, and he finally threw it to me. But yeah, that's. Uh, I got. Uh, I got Austin Day's headband. Pistons legend. That is like. Is that is that the coolest like Pistons? Because uh, I see Lance had to go take care of something. I'll just. I'll just carry this. What's like the coolest uh, Pistons memorabilia thing that you have? Well, uh, so those I kind of keep it low key, but uh, my dad yeah. actually worked for the team uh, okay. for for about twenty years. So we do have in our family a two thousand four championship ring. Oh wow! Uh, along with um, along with uh, I think one or two Detroit Shock. I can't remember how wow. they won or how uh, how many they won. Many, but yeah. yeah, so there's a there's a few nice little Pistons memorabilia pieces in our floating yeah. around in our family. Is that the, I don't mean to be completely off topic. Is it with your dad? Did he get like the pamphlet that like said, like, this is how you purchase a championship ring. And like, this is how much it costs. Cause I saw somebody posted, like someone was an arena worker, an arena employee at the palace in like 2004 and they won. And I saw this on Reddit like a month or two ago. And it was literally like a brochure. Like you can get a ring, like a little necklace, these like pendants, like a frame, like you could get all this stuff, but it costs like a lot of money. And it was really, really cool. I don't know. Yeah, like, no, I, I, I don't know if he got one. Gotcha. Um, I've never seen one, but I mean, he, we didn't have to pay for, for the ring, the team. Oh, okay. Wow. All right. Uh, so am I, am I going first with 2009? Yeah. Just okay. keep it the same. So this is probably like, I mean, kind of like what Lance was saying, this was really the deepest one. Like the one that I was like, Ooh, I could do this person. I could do this person. I could do this person. Um, 
I'm going to go with Drew Holiday. I mean, that's got to be the easy one, right? So with Drew, you talk about one of the NBA's, if not, I don't want to say the, so we'll say like top two. I think we could say Drew Holiday is a top two on-ball defender in in terms of guards in the league. Is that fair? I I agree. Okay. And I think at the very least you say top three, because I know people are going to put Ben Simmons in there, whatever. With Drew, there's, I know that people, Pistons fans have always kind of been clamoring like, Oh, how do we get Drew Holiday on the team? And it's like, that guy's not going anywhere. He wants to be in new Orleans. I actually remember vividly uh, Derek Rose's game winner in new Orleans this last year, he put Drew Holiday on skates and it was like the most mesmerizing thing I'd ever seen in my life. Guy who can pretty much shoot from anywhere can get to the basket really easily. Um, I think everybody's a a Drew Holiday fan. I feel like whoever went first was probably going to take him. Um, I do want to say, I'm not going to dwell on this too much. My backup pick was Jeff Teague. And you want to talk about a guy, because if you pick Drew Holiday, I feel like you can move forward confidently and say, this is probably going to be our guy for the foreseeable future. Whereas Jeff Teague is sort of that glue guy where he has that year, because people just forget that the Hawks randomly won like 60 games in 2014, 2015. Like like, Jeff Teague was an all-star. Like what was even happening that year? Um, and he was really good, and he's still that consistent guy who off of your bench, sort of in the same paradigm as Ish Smith, if that's fair, where, like, you can go to him off your bench, and you know he's going to be fine for the most part. Is that – are we in agreement there, at least? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. And then, Lance, I don't know if you heard, I did go with Drew Holiday. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah um, I was just going to say, like, Jeff Teague, the thing about him is he upped his production in the playoffs as well. Yeah. So every time they were in, like his stats just went up and he was consistent, but Drew Holiday would have been my number one overall pick as well at yeah. 15. Yeah. So uh, Andrew, who are you taking? Man, again, I'm, I'm torn, but I'm just going to have to, I'm going to make a call here. Uh, so the Pistons were obviously looking to take a small forward drafting Austin day. So I'm just going to draft not a bust and I'm going to take Taj Gibson. Oh, I think he, he was third. Really... He was third on my list. Yeah, I think he really fits in with the Detroit Pistons defensive first mentality. And, you know, he kind of has been floating around 10 points a game his whole career, solid on defense. And just, I I mean, I'm not going to dwell on it too much because just longevity. We've seen Taj, if you're a basketball fan, for a number of years now. So that's going to be my pick. Solid pick. Um, yep. He wasn't in my top three just because I like the guards that went in order. I think it went Drew, Jeff Teague, and Ty Lawson. Ty Lawson, And yeah. somehow the Pistons still went Austin Day, <laughs> which is, to me, he's uh, Kevin Durant with no sugar. That's what I like to call him. <laughs> just, but, he, you know, he's like an MVP overseas. So, But yeah. um, it's a toss-up for me between Jeff Teague and Ty Lawson because I really loved Ty Lawson coming out of college, but – he only had – he had a really short peak in the NBA. I think it was due to alcoholism or something like that why he left. But he had a four-year stretch of 15-7, one with three rebounds. And I really did – I really did like him. And I don't think he ever got out of the first round in the playoffs, but for six games in, I think, 2007, he averaged 21-8, and eight, which is huge. But I'm going to go Jeff Teague just because longer um, – he averaged, I, I think, at least 15 points per game for, like – seven seasons for the Atlanta Hawks started off a little bit slower, but he really just seems like the type of guy that you could put in Detroit and he can run the team. And plus I have some pretty good second round picks where I could pair, make a nice little future backcourt with uh, Jeff Teague. So 
Jeff Teague's my guy at um, number 15. And really, I don't think I could go any worse than Austin Day. So. No, absolutely not. <laughs> We're going on um, uh, 35th right now. It's uh, Dewan Summers was the pick. I don't know if you guys know anything about him because I don't. Nope. Um, I think no. he Georgetown with Greg Monroe. Yeah. He's a pretty productive college player. But, again, he's one of these guys where he's really good at everything, but he's not great at anything. So it kind of derails his – you know, his NBA production. But um, who are you going with at 35th, Nick? So here's the thing. Well, first of all, I'm not – this isn't my pick, but would you guys kick me off the show if I pick Gigi Detomi? No, not at all. Okay, <laughs> I'm not doing, doing that. It. I'm not doing it. I thought about just, like, throwing and just making a meme out of this. No, I'm not going to do that, though. So here's my, here's, here's my dilemma is there's, there's two players I'm stuck between right now. And, Andrew, kind of like what you just, just did, I have to make a call. Because I know if yeah. I don't take one of the guys, he's gone. Because we, th- we have three second-rounders to deal with right here, correct? Yes, sir. Yeah. Okay, so I know that one of you guys is going to take him, so I just kind of got to bite the bullet. I'm going to go with Joe Ingles. And if you talk about – uh, see, I said it, and now I'm pissed off that I did it because I wish I said <laughs> the other player. Uh, but if you needed a forward in the first round, you talk about at the beginning how there's so much talent that even went undrafted that should have been drafted in retrospect. Joe Ingles is a guy who, again, tremendous longevity. If you need a defender out there who's just going to piss the ball handler off, even off the ball, like Joe Ingles is your guy. Um, uh, sort of borderline, like the quintessential embodiment. No, he's just the quintessential embodiment of a three and D player in the modern NBA. And I feel like people always cling to this quote unquote Detroit mentality kind of feel like that's Joe Ingles. So Joe Ingles is at, is a piston at 35. I like like that. I like that a lot. Uh, Andrew, who are you taking at 35? Yeah. uh, So Ingles was actually on my board a little bit later at uh, 44. So I do really like that pick, but um, so uh, I'm going to do a little something to kind of, steal him away at 39th I'm going with our 39th pick Jonas Drebko oh. at 35 just so you guys can't get him um it's just we saw Drebko for a while in Detroit three and D lanky lanky dude you know hits the three consistently tough on defense so uh yeah I'm gonna have to go ahead and draft him a few spots higher actually I'm lo- so mad I really like Jonas <laughs> I really felt like Jonas Terekpo was a great pick in the second round for Detroit, and he makes so much sense in today's NBA because yeah. you really could play him, you know, at the five small ball lineups, yeah. like not for a long period of time, but like, you know, he could stretch the floor. He was a high energy guy. I kind of felt like Detroit thought they had more with him than they really had, and I wish yeah. he would have kept playing the role he had early on in Detroit, and I think he would have been a longer player, longer tenured player in Detroit. So I'm a little torn at 35 because there's a bunch of guys that I like at this yeah. spot. But I'm going to go Dewan Blair just because I loved watching Pittsburgh basketball. And I know that sounds kind of crazy, but like LeVance Fields, um, you know, Sam Young, Dewan Blair, those were my guys for Pittsburgh. So I'm going Dewan Blair. I think he played like six years in the NBA, had no meniscus, had no ACLs. Don't even know how he could stand, but um, was productive. And I think he had 20 rebounds in the rookie sophomore game. So he was like a nine and six guy in the NBA. I liked him. I think he brought a little value to the teams that he played for. So I'm going to go Dewan Blair at 35. And now we're on to 39. Original pick was Jonas Terekpo. Who are you taking, man? So I'm blown away. I'm just going to do it. The other player besides Joe Ingles was Wes Matthews. 
I'm shocked that he's still here. Yeah. Uh, so I'm just doing that now. So Wesley Matthews, welcome <laughs> to the Detroit Pistons. Been in the league for what, about 10 years now. And when the Bucks are going to make their championship run here in the next month, uh, I wouldn't necessarily put him in like even the top five most important bucks on that team. But again, a guy who has such tremendous longevity in the league, another really great three and D player where it's like, you're drafting all these three and D players and it's what 2009 when that revolution sort of hasn't happened yet, but it's like, eventually it will. And you're just kind of hoping that you can hang on to all of these assets while it's still happening. And then it's the same thing with the Ingles pick where if you need, uh, that if you're looking for that small forward, Wesley Matthews can play a two, three, right? So um, even like in year 10, Wesley Matthews in Pfizer form against the Lakers in December has these crucial moments where he's locking down LeBron. Like he can really rise to the occasion, uh, a player that like Detroit would desperately need today. And um, I feel really good about taking Wesley Matthews there. Dude, I I'm kind of mad at you because I, <laughs> He was going to be my original pick at 35, but I was like, wait a minute. Let me do some sneaky stuff where I'll draft a bunch of other guys and take him at 44. So wait for you to uh, pick him right under my nose, man. I should have just stuck with my gut. Um, Andrew, who are you taking at 39? Well, at 44, I had Wes Matthews and Joe Angles, so I really, oh, wow. really hope my the last pick doesn't get picked too. But, I mean, at 39, I'm kind of piggybacking off what Nick said about this 3 and D guys really going off the board. We've been drafting a lot of them, and it's kind of, you know, the calm before the storm, the, the, you know, players coming in before the revolution starts. So with that in mind, I'm going to go with Danny Green. You know, kind of rip Hamilton reincarnated, always running without the ball and just picking picks his spots on the floor to get open and, yeah. and puts it up. And really another really solid – it's been kind of a, a theme on, on my draft cap classes – really solid on defense so i'm i'm a sticking with that detroit mentality and and taking danny green my three and d guy man you're making me go so small in this draft like <laughs> oh my gosh like because the next guy i have two guys on the board that i can only draft with the 39th pick that i can't draft at 44 and two of my guys at 44 wesley matthews and danny green already off the board so for 39, I'm going Patrick Beverly just because, uh, dude, I just, oh, uh, man. This, I, this is getting bad. Wait, Andrew, was that your third guy? Was that the guy who you were like, I hope you I, guys don't take it? I, so my third guy for 44th is, is going to be – we're kind of going out of order. Uh, real quick, I, I was going to take Patrick at 35th but thought I could sneak him in a little bit later at 44th. But my third guy – at 44 is going to be Aaron Baines. Wait, well, that's what I was going to do. <laughs> that's who I was going to take. Oh, for the love of God. All right. All right. Okay. There's still guys. There's still guys. But um, I'm taking Pat Bev- Patrick Beverly, Pat Bev. Very like, dude, this dude is Detroit through and through. I really yeah. wish we would have signed him this past offseason. I love I love, him. Pa- I love Patrick Beverly's game. Actually, um, so for many people that don't know, I'm actually a barber. And one of the guys that he's not a client of mine, but he came in, he's from Chicago. He's from the same area as Patrick Beverly. And he told me some stories about him. Well, one, he told me two stories. One of them was about Antoine Walker. He showed me his hand. Antoine Walker broke his fingers because he blocked, um, he, he blocked his shot off the backboard. This was a six foot one guy sitting in my chair. 
he was playing pickup. Antoine Walker happened to show up. He's like, I had no idea this dude would go to Kentucky. Um, he had all this baby fat on him. Didn't even know he could play basketball. But he breaks my hand, breaks two of my fingers. They're still crooked to this day. And then he says, Patrick Beverly's another one of these guys. When he, this dude was telling me, he's like, I'm in my early 30s. You know, I'm a former D1 athlete. And Patrick Beverly, seventh, eighth grade, is checking me full court. And I knew this dude was going to the NBA just because you never see a seventh or eighth grader doing that to a full grown man. Yeah. Yeah. He really tried to take me out of the game. So Pat Bev is my pick at 39. Still love that story. We're on to number 44. All right, Nick, who are you taking? I'm so mad because if I didn't say, <laughs> wait, Andrew, was that your third guy? Yep. <laughs> you wouldn't have taken Aaron Baines. And then my plan would have all come together. The plan was I take Aaron Baines because I don't want to take another guard slash forward hybrid. Right. And then I'm thinking, okay, now we have, because in the last two years, I would have drafted Tiago Splitter and DeAndre Jordan. And now we have this, a guy who would later adapt to the modern NBA and hitting like nine threes in a game, Aaron Baines. Now that's yeah. out the window. So instead, I'm relegated into taking a guy named Garrett Temple, who was never really great at anything. Um, and it actually had like his best year kind of this year. As, as far as scoring goes, I believe this year was his best in Brooklyn. He had like 10, I think, a game. Um, yeah. Not a tremendous three-point – or uh, well, actually, yeah, three-point shooter. I was going to say free-throw shooter, like just fine. Doesn't get to the line. Just kind of – is just there and at you know this late in the draft it's like maybe also he's just hurt all the time and that's kind of a thing with him so it's like maybe if he's in Detroit he's not put in situations where he can get hurt I don't know I'm just so mad at Garrett Temple I don't care I'm taking Garrett Temple it's actually a solid pick um he's been in the NBA for a while now like he's like 10 just years, a, yeah he's just a he's a scrapper plays defense he's a three and D guy I think um I don't know how many times he's been in the playoffs but I know teams that have been successful have picked him up and he's contributed yeah. to those teams so yeah solid pick Andrew we know you're going Aaron Baines at 44 yeah so now I guess it's up to me um I really love Chase Buttinger coming out yeah. of Arizona but I'm not taking him so I'm st- instead I'm going small and I'm going Pat- Patty Mills because there was yeah. like I loved Patty Mills watching St. Mary's basketball games at like three o'clock in the morning when they air on the east coast for some reason or Midwest, I should say. So Patty Mills is my guy. Loved watching him play in college. Still love watching him today. And, yeah, Patrick Mills going small again. I drafted three guards in this, uh, you know, draft. Yeah. Hopefully one of them sticks. So I had, yeah, I had Patty Mills going 39th. If someone, I thought for sure someone was going to take Danny Green at that spot. But, you know, Patty Mills didn't obviously didn't get picked, and Danny Green didn't get picked. So you got to go Danny over Patty. Yeah, I picked four guards. That was why I wanted Aaron Baines. I didn't want to pick four guards, but that's what I did. So for people that are just listening, we still have Jody Meeks and Marcus Thornton that were on the board. And, um, yeah, they weren't they weren't picked up. Those were two more notable game, names. Like I said, this draft was is really deep for role players and, you know, all-stars and MVPs because Derrick Rose at the top of this draft. I believe, yeah, Russell Westbrook was as well. Very good draft. But, unfortunately, the Pistons drafted one guy that uh, made it, and that's Jonas Jarekbo and missed out on all these other guys. But, um, all right, so you got time, Nick, to uh, answer some questions from our listeners? I got about 10 minutes. Sweet. Let's go through these as fast as we can. Um, this comes from GR Drive Daily. Higher level of play, Division One or the, um, the G League? G League. Probably the G League. I would yeah. say – 
Yeah, I'm saying the G League just because there's a lot of veterans in there. Yeah. Um, these guys, they made it past college. They're playing professional basketball. So I believe the G League is more competitive. Division One, they have probably more talent, but it's spread out. And you're not yeah. necessarily always going to play against those guys. You're going to play against a lot of average dudes that made it D1 just because, you know, they need guys on the roster. Right, right. So. Well, it- it's yeah it's just simple math if you have a group of players and they're just you know exponential but they're spread out across a whole country versus 24 teams i mean one it's i, I guess uh it's a pretty simple answer for me it's got to be the g league because yeah. you've got that influx of talent and those fringe nba guys whereas the the jump from high school to college is not as great as college to nba yeah, I think especially if you look at about five years, I don't even think this will be a question that you can debate because I think you're going to see so many players, unless like the one and done rule is abolished. I think you're going to start right. to see a lot more players do that uh, jump to the G League and just kind of forego a freshman year uh, in college. I don't recall what players, I don't remember the names of the players that did it, but like that's a thing that's already happening. So in, in a few years, if nothing changes, if everything's the same, yeah, I don't even think this is going to be a question. Yeah, um, Guys that have recently done it are R.J. Hampton, Isaiah Todd, which I'm really disappointed by because I love Michigan basketball. Well, R.J. Hampton just went to play in Australia. Yeah, yeah, but I'm but saying I mean, like, just for going college. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. But, um, yeah, I think it was a pretty decent question, but, yeah, it's definitely the G League when it comes to talent. Yeah. Um, so this comes from DJ Spencer, 1369. Do you like the new GM, or would you rather have Billups or Prince at the GM spot? Pretty simple question, but I like Troy Weaver. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. I don't mean to cut you off. You can keep going if you were going to. No, I was just going to say, like, I like Troy Weaver just because he has a resume and Chauncey Billups yeah. is more into the yep. – he's on the entertainment side. I don't think yes. he would have done a bad job. But, yeah, Chauncey Billups has almost no experience. I would have been okay with Prince because he's actually in a front office role. Right. But I like Troy Weaver. So, so that's, I, that's, what, that's what I was going to say is, like, I am happy that we got a guy who, A – has basketball like experience in the front office. And that's, that's a great point about Tayshon great assistant GM candidate right there. Um, but a guy like Troy Weaver, who, you know, I, we all know he drafted Russ, he drafted uh, James Harden, Sergi Baca. And I think it's also important to note, like he also drafted CJ miles. Right. And then there are some other names in there too. So it's like, he's also drafting these role players who, if I say longevity one more time, I'm going to lose my mind, but he's drafting <laughs> these players who have been in the league, for a long time like these quality role players and that's arguably just as important um and yeah he has some misses here and there but his hits outweigh his misses chauncey yeah fun name it would be great to be like oh my gosh look chauncey's our gm but also he's yeah like you said he's an entertainment guy not to say he wouldn't do a good job but i feel like we're more inclined to believe that troy weaver will do a good job uh we have more reason to believe that yeah yeah that's a that's a great answer and that's going to be uh that's such a great answer that that's going to be my answer too but uh, I want to bring up, <laughs> I want to bring up a point where uh, all these fans are are saying and clamoring for Tayshon. But has anybody asked if Tayshon wants the job? Because Tayshon yeah. doesn't mess with Detroit. I, I don't yeah. I don't understand how how people don't uh, think about this. Yeah, Tayshon has no love for Detroit. Now he gets, he's got love for the 2004 team and and the players, but. When we tried to trade back for Tayshon, he tried to block the trade to come to Detroit. He didn't want to come here. He doesn't. He doesn't like. He doesn't. It's not the 2004 feel anymore. Yeah. So I just, yeah, Tayshon's name got brought up a lot, but 
I don't think that was ever a really viable candidate because I don't think he would have took the job. No. And even if you want to talk about former players, why not Ben? Yeah, yeah. Who actually works he does with stuff with the drive. Time. Yeah, it does yeah. that yeah. make more sense? I don't know. Yeah, Absolutely. I just I kind of felt like people that were going were you know kind of throwing Chauncey Billups' names out there were kind of reliving like what the Detroit Pistons did with Joe Dumars, and I'm kind of excited that we're not drafting a I mean we're not signing a former player to yeah. be the general manager because I feel like guys that have worked as hard as Troy Weaver to get to that spot you know, are, I mean, like, that's valuable. Like, I mean, they're not just a former player. They have no glory to their name. They're just hard work, put their nose to the grindstone and just, you know, do what they have to do to stay 100%. at the top. So 100%. um, next question comes from Alex Lavernez. It, there's two Christian Wood questions, but this is his. Is there a world where the Pistons don't re-sign Christian Wood? Yes. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's I don't Pistons. mean to – yeah, it's like it's it, – it, yeah, I've been. I watched Interstellar for the first time the other day, and in there they talk about how there's a whole bunch of different realities and dimensions and all this stuff. Let me tell you something: it is entirely within the realm of possibility that the Detroit Pistons don't re-sign Christian Wood. Now, exactly how would that occur? Well, the New York Knicks exist, and they have. I mean, well, we, here's the okay. Here's here's what I'll say because I feel like everyone still talks about Christian Wood, and I don't mean to be rude. I'm kind of sick of it. Uh, because we just do it all the time. And it's like, you know, oh, obviously okay. in an ideal world, we'd re-sign him. So here's the thing. Detroit's going to have arguably more money than anybody else in order to re-sign him. He's made it clear that uh, he wants to be here because a team finally gave him the chance that he's been looking for. And wouldn't you know it, he actually capitalized because he's in a really good situation. So does it make sense for him to leave if it's for financial reasons yeah, like if the Rockets for some reason or the Celtics or the Warriors offer him a mid-level and he has those championship aspirations, which he does because he's in the NBA, uh, you know, he could conceivably do that. But if it's about a payday, it's Detroit. The, the, the issue is if he wants to actually win now, yeah, he'll go somewhere else. I think too, like um, if a team offers him like over $20 million, Detroit's probably like, okay, we don't know if he's worth that. He's you not. Know? It's all about no. the money too. Like, can we sign him for a reasonable price? Yes. Because again, even though Christian Wood has looked great, it's still such a small sample size of what he's done in the NBA. And we have no idea. Like, I mean, this dude's still hungry to get paid. I mean, like he's 24 years old and I think he's made like barely more money in the NBA than I have cutting hair. So yeah. it's just, it's just inconceivable. Like, I don't think there's, there really definitely is a world where he doesn't resign with Detroit. And I think it has a lot to do with money. Yeah. But, uh, Andy, let me sense yeah let, let me ask you guys this do you think and now i don't know if you guys remember this this was maybe a few weeks ago a month ago now where he tweeted i want to win do you guys think that was more of a shot at detroit and the current place they're at or more of a shot as i want out to be on a championship level team lance i'll let you go first <laughs> um i just think he's just i think it's that's a tough question to answer. Yeah. I think he is just looking to win. I think that's where his heart's at. And I think, you know, when you play professional basketball, there are some guys that love the lifestyle more than the actual game itself. And that's yeah. cool. Like if that's what you're, if that's what floats your boat, that's what floats your boat. But I think Christian Wood is more of one of these guys, like I'm frustrated with losing. I would rather take less money to go play somewhere else. Kind of like what Calvin Johnson did in Detroit. Like I'm not willing to sacrifice my body if we're not going to go to the playoffs. So, yeah, I just think it's more of 
he wants to win now and he wants to be on a winning team. And if you don't start building a contender in Detroit, I'm out. So, yeah, I don't know if anybody else wants to throw two cents into that. I'll just add something really quick. Uh, People always talk about him leaving. Give me a reason why he would do that. You know what I mean? Because again, he plays, this is what his fifth NBA team. Everyone's given up on him, even though he was just as good for the Pelicans to end the year last year as he was for Detroit, almost arguably close to his peak this season. Now, I think one of the most interesting things to see is it's, first of all, it's important that I said I was going to go quick, but no, of course I'm not. Uh, <laughs> you said that like we, it was a very, very small sample size. You're hundred percent right. And the biggest thing with that sample size was what did the roster look like? There was no Blake Griffin. Admittedly, yeah, Derrick Rose was there, but like Luke Kennard wasn't there. The entire roster was banged up. I promise you when next season rolls around, Jordan McRae isn't going to be running around out there and we'll have better lob men than Tony Snell. So how Christian Wood's going to be able to operate in a new setting with, with better teammates around him is going to be interesting. Um, but even, as, even then, he's still going to get more opportunity with Detroit than he would anywhere else. There's virtually no incentive for him to leave. So I think the comment was just a very general, like, hey, winning would be cool. And that's, there's nothing else to read into. I like that. Okay. All right. So um, final question. This comes from Marcotte01. Do you think Christian Wood can achieve top 10, top 10 center next season or all-star? What should we do with our presumed 30 million cap space this season? Um, again, I, I get tired of the Christian Wood talk as well. I do appreciate the questions that come in. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, we've yeah, probably yeah. answered like 25 of these questions doing this podcast about Christian Wood. Yeah. The center position. I don't care what anybody says. There's like maybe five centers in the NBA that are good. Of course he can achieve top 10 center status, but you know, I mean, he does play a lot of power forward. I think yeah. that's the better question. Like, will he be a top 10 power forward? I I mean, I don't know. It's hard to say because what you just said, Nick, um, how is he going to play with Blake Griffin? How's he going to play with Derrick Rose? How's he going to play with the healthy Luke Kennard and whoever else we bring in through the draft in the offseason? So, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, what do you guys think? You think he's a top 10 center next year? You can go ahead, Andrew. I, I mean, he can be. Uh, just it, It's so up in the air for the exact same reasons that, that Nicholas said. We didn't, haven't seen him next to Blake what happens when he's not the number one option on the court what happens when you know Luke Kennard's got the hot hand and we're not feeding Christian Wood as much we we don't know yet now with that being said Christian Wood has the ceiling and the talent to go as far as that man wants to go you know if if he has his sights set on being a top 10 center I think he could do that now power forward ah there's there's a lot of good ones in the so I don't know about that, but I mean, he has the chance to maybe be a top 10 Detroit Pistons power forward. I mean, maybe. Yeah. What do you think though, Nick? Like, do you think he's going to be a top 10 center all-star in the next coming years? Uh, next season? As far as the all-star stuff goes, I'm super happy that he has those aspirations for himself and that he's out here tweeting, like, my goal is to make yeah. the all-star team next year. Like, that's great to see. I love it. I'm not, I'm not going to be like, no, you're not good enough to do that. Of course not. But do I think it's feasible? No. Um, well, I do. But in it's we, we talk about how there's a whole bunch of different realities. There is a reality in which Christian Wood does do that. But the likelihood in which it happens is pretty slim because of the reasons that we're talking about now. There are going to be times when Christian Wood doesn't get the fed the ball as much as he has 
had been to close out the year. Now, I think the silver lining to that is, is I don't think he's as egotistical as Andre was. So, like, I don't think it's going to piss him off and it's not going to, like, totally hinder his game completely. Do you know what I mean? Like how we kind of had that with Andre a little bit where he would kind of get all mad. Um, and uh, so as could he be a top 10 center? Lance, you made a good point that how many good centers are there really? Because the, as far as, like, true centers go um, – and then the power, the power forward point as well. I believe it was 54% of his minutes this year were at power forward, which obviously 46% were at center. So he's played a little bit more power forward, which is where he's admittedly better because it's easier for him to defend fours than it is for him to defend fives. Yep. Um, so I always have these really roundabout answers to really simple questions. Do I think he could be a top 10 center? Sure. Do I yeah. think he could make the all-star team? Not next year. Um, maybe that payday will incentivize him, but I think there's going to be too much to go around for him to put up the numbers necessary for him to make the all-star team. Like most improved player. Yes. Like that could happen. Um, it could have happened this year if he had a better chance at, at more opportunity at the beginning of the season, but also Brandon Ingram and Bam out of bio exist. So Christian Wood was never going to be in the conversation. Yeah. Um, I'll say most improved player could happen, not the all-star team. Yeah. I could see him like maybe participating in the all-star weekend as like a big man that participates in the skills yes. challenge. Yeah. That'd be fun to watch. But um, yes. yeah, I just think too, like we're overlooking the fact that how is he going to respond with less touches? The one part I love about Christian Wood's game he doesn't need the ball to be productive. We've seen yep. that plenty of times. Like you don't need to draw plays up for him. This dude's just going to eat when you give him, you put him at the table. But um, final question is what should we do with our presumed 30 million cap space this season? Um, Go after Brandon Ingram and give him whatever he wants. <laughs> like, I, yeah. I mean, save it, save it for a rainy day for exactly. better free agents. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, that is, just because yeah. you have 30 million in cap doesn't mean you got to spend 30 million in cap. Are the Detroit Pistons or is there any free agent out here right now that we're saying that's the guy he's going to take us to the finals? No. Uh, and I mean, there's not many. All right. Hold on. I think, Jeff Green's a free agent this summer. Ooh, <laughs> and I don't know if you guys know how much I love Jeff Green. No, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> no, man, but there's not that one guy that just really pushes us over the edge or wins us a, a playoff series. So, I mean, yeah, we got a lot of cap space, and it's surprising, and it's new in Detroit. It's something yes. we're not used to right now. But you don't have to spend it. And I think we got a guy in place in Troy Weaver that understands that. So I think that, you know, I'm not really looking for the Pistons to make any big splashes this year or, you know, maybe next year or the years coming up because as we've alluded to on this podcast a couple times, Dwayne Casey, even before Troy Weaver came in, came in obviously has really structured this team around contracts that guys have one to two years left on. Yes. So we're going to see over these coming years with this cap space and these contracts coming off the books, we're going to see a very very different Detroit Pistons team, I'd say, in three years. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I'm glad you said it because I was going to say the exact same thing. Like, just because you have $30 million doesn't mean you have to give 25 of that to Fred Van Vliet. I'm pretty right. happy that Pistons fans have kind of moved away from that. And I know you guys have a, a much bigger following on Instagram, correct? Andrew does, for sure. Andrew, okay. Yeah. So – our Instagram, I don't, I'm sorry. I'm, this is totally off topic. Are Instagram NBA fans like more saying, like where's the Fred Van Vliet hype there? Cause on Twitter, we've kind of gotten off of it, but on Instagram, are they still talking about Fred Van Vliet? Not anything that I've really seen 
Um, okay. It was kind of just hot at the end of the year, and then yeah. everything fizzled out. Great. Um, okay. Yeah. There are some <laughs> accounts that do talk about Fred Van Vliet, and well, yeah, there's not like I mean the name though, not really too much. Like I think I'm seeing a little bit more of Brandon Ingram than anybody else. And, yeah. And, and let's let's pump ahead. the brakes on on Fred. All right. I, I'm not trying to be a hater. I'm not trying to be. Listen, I like Fred. I love him on Detroit, not for 25 mil, but dude had one good season. Yeah, dude. I mean, I mean, dude's kid got. Dude's kid was born and he he tore up. The testosterone the just overtook yeah, him. I, yeah, but I mean, are we gonna give twenty five million to a guy that had a good playoff series? Like, I'm not. Even, it's not even to me about disrespecting Fred Van Vliet. I can recognize that he's a tremendous basketball player. If Fred yeah. Van Vliet comes in here tomorrow, um, is he moving the needle for? It's it's weird. I said this on a. I, I know we said last question. I didn't even answer the question. I'm really sorry. I said this yesterday. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to condense this as much as I can. The Detroit Pistons have created an issue for themselves. Do you realize that going into next season, they will be too good to tank? This isn't like a, well, they're not good. Like they're going to they're gonna accidentally their way into the playoffs. This is a real thing that's going to happen. It was really easy for them to be bad at the end of the season because everybody was hurt. If yep. Blake Griffin comes back and he's even 75% of what he was in 2018 and Derrick Rose is back and Luke Kennard is back and we have Christian Wood back, we get whatever free agents we get. Hypothetically, you draft LaMelo Ball, whoever you get in the draft, the Pistons will be too good to be bad, right? So what you don't right. want to do is get someone like Fred Van Vliet because it's like you, you said it was a rebuild and like, yeah, you can change decisions, whatever, but you can't keep rebuilding on the fly because we've been doing that for the better part of a decade. So that's why the Fred Van Vliet stuff kind of makes mm -hmm. me mad. At this point, the Pelicans and Brandon Ingram have like said to each other, this is happening. You are not going anywhere else. I'm off that train completely. I really hope the Pistons just embrace being like, just rebuild, develop. It's fine. Don't try to be something that you're not. And, I also, yeah. oh, go on my bad if you were. I'm sorry. No, I was done. Go ahead. Okay, no, I was just going to say, I think it also depends on, who you draft. Like, I don't know. I mean, if you go point guard, you're probably looking at a different position to spend that 30 million. But again, I don't want to spend 25 million on Fred Van Vliet, but if yeah. you can get him for like $12 million. Yeah, dude. Why okay. Not? Sure. Sure. Yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> All, right. Will. All right. But like, I mean, I like his game. He kind of remind, I'm, I know you guys might hate me for this. He kind of reminds me a little bit of Chauncey Billups where he's kind of like, he's a scoring guard, but he can play point guard. He knows how to involve his teammates He's a good three-point shooter. He seems to step up when it matters most. I don't know. I kind of like Fred Van Vliet's game. I don't like him as a number one option, and I don't – I really hope Pistons fans don't expect him, if he does come into Detroit, to, like, lead the team and whatever. But I do like Fred Van Vliet's game a little bit, as long as he has the right players around him. Like, he is surrounded by some good players in Toronto where he doesn't have to be the number one or number two option. But, I mean, he can show up and show out when they need him. So – I like Fred Van Vliet for the right price. Yeah, I mean, the right price sounds great. But, yeah. I mean, if we have to take those options off, I mean, I'd rather go after DeRozan and kind of reunite him back with Casey more than I would Ooh. rather go after <laughs> – more than I'd rather go after Fred. No. I mean, I like DeMar DeRozan. I just don't – I wish he shot the three ball a little bit more. But uh, Like, yeah. he's really good at what he does, but what he does is not what Detroit needs, right? Exactly. Another Fred Van Vliet situation, I, I have no problem with DeMar DeRozan. I have a problem with him in Detroit. Yeah. I, I mean, I, he's a good consolation prize. I mean, I like him, but 
I don't know with I'd rather just see Luke Kennard, Sfi Mikhailu, and Bruce Brown kind of do their thing for a little bit instead of bringing somebody else in. Let them just let them grow, let them develop, okay. let them be their guy. I, I, I retract my statement. No, don't do that. Steve. <laughs> can't do that. Can't do it. No, I got you. It's, no, it's I, been immortalized. I mean, I you can't do that. I, 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 sorry. I think I think he'd be fun. He's he's another just bouncy guy. You know, I, he'd be fun to watch on the break in Detroit. And I mean, again, it's not like getting him is going to derail any high playoff hopes. So he might bring a couple highlights to Detroit where you know when Blake Griffin is injured for the thirtieth time. If you could surround him with four guys that could shoot the ball, I absolutely love DeMar DeRozan. Like, if you can go Christian Wood, Blake <laughs> Griffin on the outside, like Luke Kennard, and like, I don't know, maybe Bruce Brown, and then just well, like, Derek hey. Rose, he can shoot. Yeah, a little bit. But, I mean, they kind of do the same thing, though. That's my problem. It's like they're both very good at working 15 feet inside. Like, Derek Rose has really developed his outside shot, but that dude still looks to just take it at the rim. And it still amazes me. So, yeah, 100%. yeah. All right. I think that's a good way to end this podcast. Thank you, Nick, for joining us. Thank you, Andrew, Thanks, for always showing up. A lot of fun. Appreciate it. Um, you can check out Three Championship Drive on Spotify, on Apple, on Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave us a comment. Give us a rating. More importantly, hit that subscribe button. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.